Genre. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. And today we're continuing our mini-series on the X-Men franchise with the Ryan Reynolds Pet Project 2016's Deadpool. And we have a guest joining us to talk about bad words, romance, and Russian metal men is author Preeti Chibber. Welcome, Preeti. Hello. God, is it really 2016 that that movie came out? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, I know. It's been five years already. Can you believe that? <laughs> I can't. Cause I can. I can remember seeing the test footage and being like, "Oh my god, this would be amazing if we got a Deadpool movie that looked like this." Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so Preeti, you know, we've been asking all of our guests this mini series about what their connection, if any, to X Men is. If they grew up with the cartoon or like what what that is and like what your favorite who your favorite mutant is and then and then we'll get into deadpool stuff in a second but i want to know about x-men first sure yeah definitely grew up with x-men like grew up with my brother my older brother reading the comics Mm -hmm. and then i grew up on like the cartoon classic cartoon and the video games and whatever comics i could find that he did not put away before i could get to them so like nothing Mm -hmm. like in order or anything but it's like one of those things where you're like American pop culture in the 80s and 90s was like ever present. And so favorites, absolutely like Nightcrawler, Gambit, Rogue. Top three. That's a great top three. Nice. That's good. Yeah. And then and then what was your exp- first experience with Deadpool as a character prior to this movie? And like, were you excited, super excited for this movie to come out? I was super excited for the movie. I think I came to Deadpool very late, though, like probably in the heyday of panels.net, which Scott and I both wrote for back in the day. And I used to do a podcast for that site called O Comics, along with my buddy Paul Montgomery. And Mm -hmm. I remember doing like a really intensive Marvel Unlimited read through to like kind of buff up for the podcast. And I think Deadpool must have been in there somewhere. So it's probably around like, 2011 2012 2013 something like that and i just he was so irreverent and so strange and funny that i just really enjoyed it and so when i i really genuinely cannot believe that it's been five years since that movie came out because it felt like we were talking for years about getting ryan ryan reynolds to be deadpool on screen because he seemed Mm -hmm. like such a good fit and then that footage that came out of was it comic-con i think san diego comic-con no, it just got leaked on the it internet. It just got leaked. Well, they they must have done it on purpose, right? I'll get into it. I have okay, there, okay. there's a whole story okay, behind I'm ready. that. But yeah. <laughs> but like yeah, like I remember seeing that footage and being like this would be the most kick-ass comic book movie if they would ever do it, but they're never going to do it. Like that was kind mm-hmm. of I feel like the reaction like they're never going to make this. Like no way would they ever make this. Mm-hmm. And then they did. 
They sure did. Nick, <laughs> do you remember your first experience with Deadpool as a character? I, you know, as I was starting to get into comic books around the late 2000s, mm-hmm. that was, and then going into the 10s, that was around the time that the Brian Posehn era of Deadpool was happening. Oh, right. And I would mostly experience Deadpool through like standout panels being shared around on Tumblr. Mm, yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, w- I wasn't like going out and picking up Deadpool, but I would get the greatest hits on social media and be like, oh, I get it. The yellow things are, he's talking to us. Right. Fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he would show up in a book that I was reading, it was always like a fun little, like, because he would wink at the audience and he had the special connection to the reader that mm-hmm. none of the other characters had. Yeah. yeah. And then like Spidey Pool, I feel like was very big on Tumblr and that was like a mm-hmm. big thing. Very mm-hmm. much so. Yeah. Right. It's all coming Definitely. back. <laughs> and so like that's to me, that's Deadpool. And when I go further back into like the 90s, actual Liefeld era, I'm like, oh, this isn't what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I'm going to go back to my cousin, Mark, who I've brought up a couple of times this miniseries <laughs> already who is really big into X-Men and then like the whole image boom and all of that. And so I was probably six or seven and, you know, he was showing me all these comics and everything and all of his favorite characters. And I remember it is burned into my memory. I I went just now before we recorded this during the research phase, I wanted to like read some old Deadpool comics just to see like where the character came from. And I found this collection that had like new mutants 98, which is his first appearance. That's the Rob Liefeld thing. And really it's kind of BS that he gets credit for creating this character (laughs) because it's like you, you, he was in one issue that you drew like, yeah. Anyway, I'll get into that in a second, but, I was reading that and I got to the first, it had the first mini series and I got to the cover of that first Deadpool mini series. And I was like instantly just this, just shook with nostalgia because I remember that cover of that book is just burned into my memory of this black book with giant red Deadpool that like is like stacked letters down the front of it. And it was like, you know, the Merc with the mouth gets his own series. And, you know, it was like this big thing. And I was like, what's Deadpool? And then I remember I must've read that first issue a bunch of times because I don't think I ever liked it. I think I just read it because I wanted to be cool. Like my cousin Mark. And I was like, well, this is what he reads. So I'm going to read it too. And yeah, reading it now, man, those early Deadpool stuff were so like, everything was just grimy and just huge guns and mercenaries and just not fun. And every issue of that miniseries starts with like six pages of Deadpool just kicking some group of person's asses. (laughs) While talking out loud and without stopping, just just riffing for like six pages without stopping. And it's so annoying and just the worst. And it really <laughs> isn't until Joe Kelly took over the book that he became sort of the what we think of as Deadpool now, which is like the Ryan Reynolds style where he's like silly. He added the mm-hmm. silliness. He was always like. He was just an asshole before. <laughs> and now he's like he was he's like kind of silly with the stuffed unicorn and like you know, all of that stuff. And he's just a character that's evolved so much, but I've always had, I've always kept Deadpool at like a distance from myself because of the type of dude who loves Deadpool is like the opposite of dude that I ever want to be. And so, so there's always this little, this little bit of emotional distance between me and Deadpool, but I do like him. I, 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 I'm excited to like go and read the, um, I think 
didn't uh Kelly Thompson just do a Deadpool run? Um, that, I think that, that sounds real. That yeah, sounds, I yeah, like Kelly Thompson a lot. Real. I would like to. Yeah, I would like to read her dead Deadpool. So you know, I like Deadpool. I just can't ever bring myself to love Deadpool because of <laughs> factors, outside I think, factors. I think that's fair, though. I think that's yeah. fair. <laughs> it, it reminds me because going, I've, I felt a real apprehension going back to watch this movie for mm-hmm. this for the podcast today. You hit the nail on the head, Scott. It reminds me a lot of my relationship with Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say Where- Rick and Morty. Yes. I always forget that I actually like the thing itself. Yes. <laughs> it's the kind of fandom and the cultural ripple effects of stuff that I kind of find annoying. You know, mm-hmm. like the person who dresses up at Deadpool at every con and just is like yeah. a horrible person to a be lot. around. <laughs> just a lot. A lot. A lot. That's a much kinder way to yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I felt that way going into the movie. I went oh, like even in even in 2016. Yeah, I went begrudgingly. Okay. I was like, <gasps> okay, I I like being part of the cultural conversation. I guess I'll go see this stupid <laughs> Deadpool movie and then watched it and just immediately was like, this is pretty funny. <laughs> this is pretty good. I keep coming back to that footage that leaks cuz I just I feel like it took everyone by storm when it dropped. Like, I feel like it it leaked and everyone I knew was like, have you seen it? Have you seen it? Have you seen yeah. it? Like, and it was so exciting and different because that was, that was probably like 2013 or 2014 when that happened. 2014. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And so it was like, you know, we're six years into the MCU. We're like, like there's a very specific kind of superhero movie that was, everywhere and mm-hmm. this felt like something really exciting and and just after all of the kind of like sequels we were getting and the the build-up we were getting into this like big story that's happening over here for marvel it was just really nice to see something that recognized the absurdity of the movies we were watching that's what mm-hmm. it felt like and i think that it it, it struck a good balance between mm-hmm. having a very simple plot and then like yes. adding all of the fun stuff on top of it rather than making this big convoluted overwhelming thing like Deadpool 2. <laughs> I'm very De- glad that we are not discussing Deadpool 2. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the development of this movie. So first off, Artisan Entertainment, which is a company in the 90s, eventually sort of became Lionsgate. They announced a deal with Marvel in 2000 to co-produce, finance, and distribute several Marvel Comics characters as movies, including a movie based on Deadpool. And in, in 2004, after Blade Trinity, David S. Goyer and Ryan Reynolds both had heard that they were trying to make a Deadpool movie and were like, we got to go and we got to make the Deadpool movie. This is, of course, after the, the what is it, Hannibal King? Is that his character's name in Blade Trinity? Oh, God. Oh, hell yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. This is after, of course, the Hannibal King spinoff movie went belly up. Times of great tribulation. Sometimes you forge bonds after that experience. <laughs> yes. So, <boy> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and the reason that Ryan Reynolds was so interested in playing Deadpool wasn't because he had ever heard of Deadpool prior to hearing a quote, I guess, in the comics. The character refers to himself as Ryan Reynolds crossed with a Sharpay. And 
And so Ryan Reynolds, I guess, got went caught wind of that in from the comic, saw the panel on Tumblr, whatever Ryan Reynolds does to find these things, and decided like, well, I should play that character, which is really interesting because he kind of it, it's very similar to how Sam Jackson became Nick Fury, right? Yeah. And so so he got really attached to playing this character. Eventually, this thing, this deal with Artisan Entertainment didn't end up really going anywhere. And instead, he ended up playing Deadpool in X-Men Origins Wolverine. I was just, I just realized that we were going to talk about that. I was like, oh, no, I wiped it from my memory. Like, (laughs) until you started talking about Ryan Reynolds and wanting to play Deadpool, I was like, there was something. Oh, right. You were shot with an adamantium bullet. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Memory was completely erased. And my memory is completely erased. Yeah. We we just we just rewatched that like two movies ago and uh I'll tell you what Preeti doesn't hold up. Does not hold up. What? <laughs> it's one of the what? lesser entries. I okay. I know that's a shocker. No, I'm, we're not talking about that movie. I'm not I'm not opening that discussion at all, but I will say <laughs> I will never not be sad about the waste of Taylor Kitsch as Gambit for that mm. movie and the waste of Gambit in an X-Men movie for that movie. Like I will be mad about it for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's the rare, it's the rare movie that actually creates like anti-charm yeah. or like an actor <laughs> that is all charm. Uh, just <laughs> Yeah. It's rough. <laughs> it's hard out here for Friday Night Lights. It's definitely rough. <laughs> so obviously that went poorly. <laughs> However, it was a big enough of a box office hit that they started developing a Deadpool movie off of it with the idea that it would not it would not reference any of the events of X-Men Origins Wolverine, which they thought was fine because Deadpool does that kind of thing. So whatever. Yes. So they start working on it. They bring in Lauren Shula Donner and the the rest of the X-Men producing team, and they start working on this. Reese and Paul Wernick were hired in January of 2010 to write the film. And they wrote the movie working closely with Ryan Reynolds. And in June of that year, they reached out to a director. And that director was Robert Rodriguez, who wow. was very interested in directing the film. He said that the script of the was Book of great. Boba Fett fame. Yeah. He said the script was great. <laughs> and the only thing, the only thing that was holding him back was the fact that he had sort of walked away from studio filmmaking and this would right. be a studio film. He may have even still been barred from the DGA after Sin City. Yeah, true. So he was interested for a while and then eventually he walked away from the project. And when they lost Robert Rodriguez, interest in the film quickly went downhill. They eventually hired Tim Miller, who worked on the visual effects on some of the X-Men films. and was going to do this thing i get like tim miller was interesting because he had done a lot of visual effects for the x-men films that was his relationship with them but then he had also done a animated short film called gopher broke which was academy award winning apparently yeah and then he also did the dc universe online announcement trailer which was like this big epic thing like i you can look it up now and it's i mean it's it's still pretty impressive in terms of a game trailer not to skip ahead but the quality of that deadpool leaked footage started to make a lot more sense yeah it's basically a really cool video game cutscene yeah yes yeah yes exactly so he was going to make his directorial debut on this film and then and then 
tragedy struck. Green Lantern opened in theaters in summer of 2011. Oh, my goodness. And the movie did so poorly, and uh, both critically and commercially, that Fox was like, we don't think this movie is going to be viable with Ryan Reynolds <laughs> as a star because we don't think that he's a viable star. And we're really worried about an R rating because if he can't even make money doing a PG-13 movie, how is he going to make money as the star of an R-rated feature. <laughs> and so they were like, can we make this PG-13? Everyone agreed, absolutely not. We're not going to do that. And so they, they closed up shop on the, on the movie. And during this time, Tim Miller never dropped the torch. And he, he was paying for uh, rewrites. He and Ryan Reynolds were still paying on, for rewrites by Rhett Reese and Paul Warnick, who never left the project. They were the first writers on Deadpool, and they were the last writers on Deadpool. Good for them. Which nev that never happens. <laughs> as, as we have learned doing this show, that never happens. So from that point, you know, they were just rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. Avengers came out. They were hoping that that would stir up some interest. Tim Miller, who's friends with James Cameron and David Fincher, having worked with them both in visual effects before, asked them to go to Fox to champion this movie. They had both read the script and loved it. So they went and they were like, you got to make this movie. And so finally, Fox coalesced and we're just like, OK, all right, fine. We're going to give you. Two hundred thousand dollars. Make a pitch reel or something just like make a sequence from the movie or or do something with it to prove that you can do this and that this is a movie that anyone is going to care about and he was like great so he spent that money and he made the infamous leaked video of the bridge sequence and he makes it and fox watches it and was like no one is ever going to want that movie we're not going to make this movie thank you for wasting our money and our time have a nice day i like imagine sitting in a room and your job, it is your job to understand what projects you should put money towards. Like, that's your job. And you watch mm -hmm. this and you say, nah, no, no yep. one's going to like it. Yep. So that was 2012. And then we <laughs> jump forward to July of 2014 when the Deadpool test footage is leaked online. Now... No one will cop to the fact that they did this, which is interesting because now I feel like they would be lauded as a hero, but like yes. no one is no one is doing it. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds thought Miller did it. Tim Miller thought that Reese and Wernick did it. And Reese and Wernick are convinced that an assistant at Fox did it oh. because there was a, apparently an assistant that was incensed when they didn't pick up deadpool <laughs> after the after the test footage yeah and hey, and apparently five moments and the, the 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 thought process is that that assistant on their way out the door leaked the footage online like, wow. screw you guys yeah but here's Changed the thing the course of cinematic history yeah yeah absolutely so it's released in july in 2014 the overwhelming enthusiastic response to this footage led to only two months later, in September of 2014, Fox giving Deadpool the green light and a release date of February 12th, 2016. Production started in March of 2015. Like, the ball started going hard and, and fast. I, I think something that Preeti said earlier was really interesting of the phenomenon of 
friends communicating mm-hmm. or going up to friends with their phones like, hey, look at this. This looks really cool. Yeah. That kind of word of mouth buzz happening for a superhero movie, I don't think it's ever happened before or again. Yeah. These are normally like shoved down the throats of the movie going public with so much hype and fanfare. Like you're supposed to care about this. Yeah, this was like the perfect mix of a hero who's like too irreverent for that mainstream, right? It's like too, like the combination of like the rated R and like what kind of person Deadpool is. Mm-hmm. is not going to be the Marvel, like, we want every single human being on the planet to come see our movies. This is a specific person who is going to see the Deadpool movie, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what ended up happening because they didn't shove it down everyone's throats. It became this cool thing that was like, it was like superhero counterculture. Yeah, or like you kind of hit double where people who go to Comic-Cons and know mm-hmm. all the inside jokes, yeah. they're going to go see it. But then also the people who are like, ah, I don't like superhero yeah. movies. Like, oh, this one kind of exactly. has like Austin Powers. So you ended up hitting like, an, and this is was like the highest grossing one until the sequel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put it's Austin crazy. Powers in a Deadpool movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting oh. movie. I remember when I saw this in Chicago with my buddy, we were walking out and we were talking how it kind of did have this like Ace Ventura, mm-hmm. Austin Powers feel of like, you're following this one weird character who's kind of Bugs Bunny, just bouncing off of stuff. But in this kind of 2000 superhero movie, I don't know if that's just the budget talking, but. Well, <laughs> speaking of the budget, right before okay. the film went into production, 48 hours before, in fact, Fox cut the budget of the movie by $8 million, bringing the budget down to $58 million, which is so so low for this kind of movie they had to cut nine pages out of the 110 page script and that lost them a couple of characters and a motorcycle chase sequence that happened at the end of the 12 bullets fight on the bridge instead of deadpool sawing his arm off and falling into the garbage i guess there was a motorcycle chase I guess you see, you kind of like see a part of it, right? Francis gets on the motorcycle and then Deadpool throws a sword in it. Yeah, a sword in the motorcycle. Man, Colossus would look ridiculous. Like, what did they do with that $9 million? Where did it go? I Well, they didn't didn't get to keep it. Was it better used? No, no, no. Fox, I mean. Did they use it for something better? I mean, probably, I don't know. Probably not. They're just, I mean, they probably used it on X-Men Apocalypse, let's be honest. So. We need more fans inside of Oscar Isaac's suit. <laughs> Biggest waste of Oscar Isaac in any movie ever. God. I'm uh, mad here. about a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Classic yeah. Fox shenanigans. So, yeah. So then the movie went, you know, there was some interesting almost castings. Taylor Schilling was almost cast as Vanessa. Before no. Marina, ba- yeah, before Marina Bachman <laughs> got it, <laughs> yeah, that was my res- that was my thought process when I saw it too. I was like, "That is weird. What a weird I don't choice!" Like that. Yikes. No, Marina Bachman was just like the had the best chemistry with Ryan Reynolds. Yes, and I like that she was of the of the options that they had. It seems like she was the oldest too, mm-hmm. which I really respect. Yeah, because a lot of these a lot of these actresses were like. Early, early 20s. Nope. And I don't, that's not good. Nobody it would have shifted that. the like tenor of it in a, yeah. in a gross way. When yeah. Wade, I feel like they needed an older actress who could go toe to toe with 
with, uh, and I say older, she's not older, but she's older than that. <laughs> the other actually options, yeah. the age of the male love yes, interest, which like almost you. never happens. Yes, because mm-hmm. they can they can yes. be on equal footing in a way when the character has to be able to say certain things that when you put it on a younger woman, you're like, ooh, this isn't funny. Not to skip ahead, but their meet cute is so much about them commiserating over a shared life experience. Yeah. It really comes in handy that they both look like they're in their mid to late 30s and have actually lived a life. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. So, yeah, that's uh, that's it. I mean, the, the movie came out and uh, everyone loved it. It was a phenomenon. <laughs> it was yep. an absolute phenomenon. It's so funny to me that we've gone through this whole series now a decade of of filmmaking and so many boardroom meetings mm-hmm. and like people in rooms talking about what people want and what's going to make a billion whatevers. And here comes this rinky dink mad magazine movie. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone loves it because it feels like it's having fun instead of just trying to be like an event. Was, was the matrix the last legitimate R rated blockbuster before Deadpool? Uh, you're forgetting about Passion of the Christ, Scott. Oh, oh my right. God. <laughs> I am forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> Deliberately, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think, but that actually is like, you know, within months of the Matrix sequel. So like, you know, pretty much the same era. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was that the last time one. though? Is that? Because uh, like Troy made a lot of money and that was rated R. Troy was rated R? I think just for blood, not for like butts or dong, like you would want. But I was like, because I, I saw it in the theater. It's like I feel like I missed some scenes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, violence is so weird. What's allowed in PG thirteen and what's R? I mean, this is kind of could could only be R because, like we said, he like saws his own wrist off. Yeah. to like escape. Yeah, but we'll get into it. The movie starts the only way it could with an ironic eighties love song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're either down or you are. This was like an instantaneous, oh, I'm in good hands. They're making a good movie instantly. This slow motion sort of with the, with the, uh, like the, the stupid credits. Like and the green lantern. Yeah. We see, we see yeah. the shot and you're like, okay, you are recognizing what you did and you are atoning <laughs> for it. And I respect <laughs> it. <laughs> like yeah. the credits where it's like starring God's perfect idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We meet Deadpool. He's in that incredibly beautiful suit. Mm-hmm. That's like one of the best realized superhero suits, period, yes. I think. Agreed. I, I can't believe they haven't reused that fabric ever again. I feel like Deadpool's the only one that has that fabric. It looks so good. It looks like tights from the comics, but then it also looks very good in a practical setting, you know? Yeah. When you're up close to it, like you are in the cab, you can see how it kind of looks like tactical gear, like yeah. something someone would wear. Who would good. they use it on, though? If you're thinking about it, like in terms of superhero movies. Scott, what are some suit that, superhero suits that y'all have seen? You watch right? a lot of superhero yeah, movies I feel and you're like, like they, that looks busted. They downplay, outside of like Spider-Man, they right. kind of mm-hmm. pulled back on the superhero aesthetic in superheroes costuming. Honestly, the new Captain America suit could have been made out of this stuff and it would have looked probably a lot better. It looks a little chunky in the show, I think. I couldn't even tell you what it looked like, honestly. Like, I trying to picture it, all I can see are the goggles. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. there's, like, I cannot tell you what the suit looked like. Yeah. I'm excited for them to completely redesign it in the movie. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yes. So, like, the movie just opens because we get that slow motion stuff where he's mm-hmm. like, funny story, how I got, want to hear how I got in this, that, blah, blah, blah. But then he's, like, in a cab with Dope Ender, and it's immediately sweet 
Wade's not a jerk. He's like empathetic. And he's like, there's a reason I'm on this train or on this, on this, in this cab with you. And it just kind of creates the sense of non mean fun mm-hmm. that yeah. I always, I always forget is a big part of this movie. Yeah. It's what makes the whole thing work. Yeah. They could have very easily gone like a different route with that. But I think they sort of ahead of the game realized that the sweetness would lend itself better to allowing him to be so funny and say these horrible things rather Mm -hmm. than leaning into the like potential shittiness of that character. Right. It, it, it balances it out. The more like kind of Todd Phillips sense of humor that is also really prevalent in American comedy. Yes. Of, and yeah, this like swerves. And I think it, Deadpool's kind of lumped in with bro humor comedy. But mm-hmm. if you, I don't, yeah, it's kind of not the case if you're like reading the ingredients. It's this weird thing where there's a certain type of dude who has an idea of what Deadpool yes. is in their head. The yes. way that people who have Calvin from Calvin of Hobbes, like yes. pissing on a logo of, of Ford or something like on their truck. wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. They don't know anything about Deadpool. They're all fake geek boys. That's what they are. (laughs) (laughs) Who's your favorite character, Deadpool? (laughs) 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 And yeah, the sweetness of him, like the sexuality of him and how like Mm -hmm. that's just a part of him too. Mm -hmm. We've gone through so many of these, Preeti, in this X-Men miniseries. (laughs) Every time we go into the history, it's always like, oh, and then Tom Rothman was like, no, that's lame. Just put him in a Kevlar suit or like <laughs> just, you know, whoever, who cares? And this is so unapologetically Deadpool and like is the comic that it's really refreshing. I yeah. don't think you could make it any other way, right? Like uh, Deadpool mm. is not a character as as evidenced by what they try to do with him is not a character that you can dilute, right? You half ass or yeah. go half measure it. Like you can't, yeah. you can't do it because when you do, you get <sighs> origins and the less <laughs> the set, the better. That's, yeah, that's not diluted. I don't know what that, somebody just poisoned the well. <laughs> well that's not diluted. That's <laughs> fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so something I wanted to bring up with both of you. So continuity has been a big contention point and mm-hmm. throughout this mini series. Okay. And what's interesting about this movie is it technically takes place like in the present, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. not a lot of X-Men movies do. Right. So we meet Francis, our villain, mm-hmm. and, or a- AKA Ajax. And like, he's like doing criminal stuff with a guy and he's like, you, you, you screwed me out of this deal. And he lifts him up and like, ah, oh, fucking mutants, which is like, okay, cool. So we're just like in the X-Men universe. Mm-hmm. I, the closest relative point on the timeline that I can find to this movie is the Wolverine. And when the Wolverine gets off the plane with Professor X and Magneto. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So this is like kind of the era, which we, the only other times we see pre Days of Future Past Apocalypse. Yeah. Weird. I feel like it's going to be real hard to contextualize this movie within <laughs> the universe that oh, it's straight supposed up to exist in. <laughs> yeah. It, it's straight up to me, like, like in the film, it feels like a mad magazine universe of like yeah yeah. that's not that's not really colossus this isn't really the mansion right (laughs) yeah i I feel like that (laughs) that's the only way it makes any sense one thing about this bridge sequence so they use it like you said the present right like this Mm -hmm. is the present and we're gonna flash back to like meet early wade and then his origin story and then the beginning of him being deadpool but you keep coming back to the bridge 
And what I think is so brilliant about that structure is there's only two major action sequences in this movie. Yep. Two. <laughs> and, and it's because one of them takes up three quarters of the movie. <laughs> so if you wonder how the budget is only $58 million, that's how. <laughs> yeah. It's mixed results because like, I'm not crazy about the back and forth format of the movie. I think it sort of narratively stops and starts. Mm-hmm. sometimes but yeah, it's brilliant when it comes to like cost effectiveness i think right but you right. don't think it works in the sense of like what what makes this movie so interesting to me is i think it was a really a true adaptation of what the comics were doing which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. allowing the character to be the most important thing the plot mm-hmm. of this film is not important as we said but super basic but what this film recognized was like the biggest asset they have is literally Ryan Reynolds narrating Deadpool. That's it. That's the biggest thing they have. And then they use it as much as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a superhero movie where it feels like you're literally inside of the main character's head. Exactly. And you're like, which is, I think, a lot of bigger, more expensive superhero origin movies could learn a lesson from. Yeah. Yeah, but I think they'd be afraid to do it because I think what allowed them to right. do it is that Deadpool does that, right? That's dead right. you're in uh, Deadpool's yeah. head when you're reading Deadpool. Like you are That's everything really is through his lens versus the omniscient narrator that exists in the majority of other comics. Mm-hmm. Like Deadpool is the one who is allowed to break all the rules mm-hmm. in a way that other superheroes are not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's kind of we've been talking about how like Kevin Feige was sort of came up through the ranks as these X-Men movies were coming out in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And like a big thing that he would try to come in as a low level person is like, let's go back to the books and find out like yeah. what makes this character work on the page. And like, that's totally what Reese and Warnick and Ryan Reynolds were doing. Yes, yep. I agree. So, yeah, the big, crazy action sequence happens. And watching that, it's like the X-Men action hasn't really been like the highlight of these movies. and. So this big, crazy action sequence, it's like, I don't know, the, the choreography is really entertaining. It's, it's, I'm not surprised it came to Robert Rodriguez really early on. Yeah, it makes a yeah. lot of sense as a Robert Rodriguez movie, honestly. But it wouldn't, I feel like it has, I feel like I like Robert Rod- Rodriguez, but it might have lost a little bit of that sweetness. That I think it so needed. too. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't think of like, you know, even Desperado, which is like so sexy, it, th- mm-hmm. those characters don't really feel like lived in the way that Wade and Vanessa do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I also just think in general, the movie wouldn't be as hungry as yeah. this one is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, agreed. This, this one's like, you know, like we're, we're like, yes, we're going to make this and it's going to be exactly what we want it to be. I don't think yeah. Robert Rodriguez would have had that, that energy on it. It would have been a little more like, you know, Battle Angel Alita, which, you know, I will defend, but does it it feels you more know, like a James Cameron movie than a Robert Rodriguez movie. That's also like another thing that this has so it's so separate from other comic book movies, which is rich people getting lassoed in and lord like, hey, come make this X-Men movie. But everyone involved, even the star, had been trying to make this happen yeah. for like half a decade. It was yeah. a passion project, right? And you can see it yeah. on the on the screen that it was a passion project. Everybody in this movie believes in it one hundred percent. Yeah, the twelve bullet sequence is really fun. Yep. And you learn about Deadpool, how he reacts to stuff in mm-hmm. that whole sequence where he gets like frustrated with himself. He reminds me of like a guy playing video games. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The writers would later be very glad that they set up this 12 bullet sequence at the beginning being set up with like, oh, I left my ammo bag in the taxi. Right. Mm -hmm. They were really happy that they set that up because later in the movie, when they had to cut those nine pages out and, and cut the budget, they had Deadpool leave his bag of weapons in the taxi (laughs) again in the final fight. So, so that good. he would just oh, have swords because it's so funny. That was, that's cheaper. <laughs> it, it becomes a callback instead of like, oh, they ran out of money. Right. Yeah. Like, it just becomes like, oh, set up payoff. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. We're greeted with our first flashback where we get Wade at Sister Margaret's, which mm-hmm. is, is, I assume, is from the comics. There's a bar in the comics. I don't remember if it's called Sister Margaret's or not, or I'm sure it's a reference to something somewhere in Deadpool, but I haven't read all of Deadpool. There's a lot of Deadpool. Yep. But I did notice something that it does remind me a lot of the thing that's in his mi- second miniseries, because like Weasel is a character that's ongoing in the, in the Deadpool comics, co- comes in and out throughout. However, he's just a dude that Deadpool just annoys all the time. And it's like, you're my assistant. He's like, I never agreed to this. Leave me alone <laughs> is more their vibe. Mm-hmm. And, but the, in the, his second miniseries, it opens with him at a bar that he continuously go to, goes to and drinks. And that bartender is a black dude and is a character in that miniseries. And I was just thinking, like, it kind of sucks. Like, I get that you want Weasel in it because he's in everything. But it kind of sucks that you, like, why not just, like, yeah, make a black guy weasel. I don't know. Like yeah. combine the two things or something. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I, any excuse to get TJ Miller out of this movie, to be totally I honest. I was going to say, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it, uh, it's, it's kind of weirdly the most aged thing about the movie. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It, at the time, I think a lot of, he had the audience he had, you know, he had the oh, audience he, was, he, he had. was like the, yeah. he was like the breakout guy on Silicon Valley yeah, at the time. Like yeah. I, the casting process makes sense to me. And this is also mm-hmm. prior to the, you know, inclusive yeah, casting conversation stuff. happening oh, in the mainstream. Right. What were you? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no was, you were, yeah. Let's, let's stick with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but also prior to that <laughs> yeah. but it's it's like yeah i mean he he might have even been like in four movies this year it was like just that era yeah like the office christmas yeah. party it was everything oh, he was in everything because it was it was it was really weird when he made a reference to the poop emoji and i and i was like how is this not a reference to the emoji movie but it's not it's, because that movie hadn't happened yet uh, that's deadpool though it's strange. even like future meta yeah, yeah. very strange <laughs> But yeah, he's in a little bit of the movie. But more importantly, we get the meet cute with Vanessa, yes. where yeah, they have their back and forth of like who had the more effed up childhood. Mm-hmm. But then they're like kind of like riffing, and yeah, like the chemistry. And like again, something superhero movies aren't known for is chemistry and romance. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this is kind of no pun intended, like the heart of the movie mm-hmm. is really interesting. I also low key. The fact that we have a sex worker as like a romantic lead and Wade never shames that in any way or is like weirded out by it is worth noting, I guess. It, I no, know. it is. It's uh, this movie does a lot because, again, it everything's contextualized against this character who is meant to be counterculture and meant to be irreverent. So mm-hmm. it is by nature. It can be a little bit more progressive in that way because you're not saying it's Captain America saying that sex work is valid and good. It's 
Deadpool, right? So it's allowed to happen because it's Deadpool. But I think that to the to the benefit for all of us who are watching it. Right. Like there could never be a scene in Civil War where Steve is like, this is my girlfriend, Vanessa. Right. Yeah, she is. She's a prostitute. <laughs> she has an OnlyFans. I'm proud of her. Like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> oh, God. No, Steve's too busy being like, this is my boyfriend, Bucky. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, Steve would never. Yeah. Have it, have <laughs> I, I also just think, too, that one of the reasons that this movie was as big of a hit as it was was because of the centered romance yes. to this film. Came out in February. Uh, because I think people want that. And I don't know why we're keeping it out of movies. I so badly want, I've, I've said it, I've shouted it from rooftops, I so badly want a Green Arrow, Black Canary rom-com. So bad. I think that would be amazing. It's, I feel like they tried, so like, we had this like very brief piece of Marvel where we got these really cool movies that were almost like genre within genre. Like the first Spider-Man movie is freaking awesome because it's a young adult novel. That's what it is, right? It's a superhero movie, but it's a young adult novel. The Thor Ragnarok is like a space opera comedy, right? Right. There, It's like you could do it if you just lean into that and not get so beholden to the bigger picture right yeah i think i think hollywood in general just has always kind of kept romance as a genre in this weird ghetto of like well we can't put money into it because women like it it. of course yeah (laughs) and even though like you know you have titanic you have all these whatever but we're we're not the coveted audience with the money we're we're the secondary audience and so Right. They have to make everything for 14-year-old boys. Yeah. Whereas, but here's the thing. Slight tangent, but since Twilight Please. is in the news, <laughs> this is related. I went and saw with work, because I worked at a children's publisher, when Twilight came out, we went and saw it during lunch for work. And we went at yeah. the same time as like a school field trip went to see this movie. So we were sitting behind, I like, I will never forget this. I was sitting behind a row of like eight, 12 year old boys mm-hmm. at Twilight. And there's that scene where Edward is very creepily watching Bella sleep. And these boys in front of me were going, kiss, 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 kiss. And I was like, what Whoa. is happening? But, anyways, wow. boys like romance too, is what yes. it comes down to. Yes. Yeah. Can confirm. <laughs> and and you even mentioned kids kids also love deadpool because i yes. think the same reason kids like rick and morty which is like you know oh we're not supposed to be watching this mm-hmm. it says bad words but it's like chaotic the way the kids like chaos and mm-hmm. irreverence but i am always shook to my core mm-hmm. by the look that ryan reynolds can give to vanessa just that look of like they they finish their back and forth and then he just takes a beat and just looks at her and like has the and just melts like you can see him melting internally and i'm like oh man you are good at this there's a reason you're a movie star right that's the thing is i think ryan reynolds gets a little bit of a i i feel sometimes he's not given his due as an actor because he does tend to lean on those things that he's very good at but mm-hmm. you see it in these moments like he's good at it for a reason he's on screen for a reason because he's so freaking good at it not just because he's stupidly handsome yeah but what he can do with his face and his timing his timing is fantastic 
And that's mm-hmm. not necessarily something everyone could do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we get the montage of their first year together. And then we get Christmas where they're wearing the sweaters and like the movie really lives in their relationship for like a, a while. And so when it snaps back to him kebabbing the bad guy, it's startling because like mm-hmm. you're kind of with. But this it gives everything meaning, right? That's what's so nice about it is by giving us that relationship and by spending time on it and recognizing its worth. Wade's actions now are OK, right? Without. Without earning it, without (laughs) giving that to the audience, I feel like it's like a fun murder movie. But by showing us the truth of the why of why he's doing it and making us really believe it, you're even more on his side than you already were. Like, you're not just on his side because he's funny and irreverent. You're you're on his side because he's in love with this person. That's a really good point. I think one of the biggest reaction laughs of the movie when I saw it and to this day are so Colossus and Negasonic come and they're like, Hey, Wade, like, and they let Francis go and his like home alone (laughs) face moment because like we're right there with him. We know how badly he wanted this (laughs) and like it's gone now. Speaking of Colossus and Negasonic Teenage Warhead, I do want to talk about. Yes. uh, One with Colossus, the thing that kind of is, I don't know, sucks, but also is understandable, but worth pointing out, I guess is that the guy who played Daniel Cudmore, the guy who played Colossus in the other movies, most recently at this point, Days of Future Past, a couple years ago, they offered, basically Tim Miller was like, hey, you're not a very good actor, but you can play, you can play Colossus in motion capture, but we are going to hire another actor to do the voice. And Daniel Cudmore was like, no. Why would he do that? (laughs) I don't know. But they offered it to him and he turned it down. And then they brought in Stefan. I don't know how to pronounce his Russian last name. But yeah, he came in and did the voice of of Colossus and gave Colossus a like country Russian, like deep in the mountains, like hauling around an axe kind of (laughs) Russian accent that I never pictured Colossus having reading the comics. It's so good. (laughs) It's really great. But it is the first time I watched it, I was like, whoa, that is not ever what I pictured Colossus sounding like. (laughs) I love it. It's really good. How strange that this character that has tried to be in these movies off and on again he finally hits, and it's just like this yeah. big cartoonish, literally yeah. a cartoon. I feel like that's the way to do it, right? With Colossus, like that's Colossus is a ridiculous. It's yeah. he's a ridiculous looking character. I'm so sorry, yeah. but he is. <laughs> when they inevitably reboot X Men in the Marvel Universe, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I want my Colossus Kitty Pride love story and romance, but in that world, I just want him to be just just a just a dumb himbo dummy i would like the be- love himbo colossus so oh, much himbo colossus come on right i mean that's let that us have be, this <laughs> oh that'd be the best would you say he's technically do- does not fall into the himbo category no. in the deadpool movies i he's not too, he's not too, sh- too he's not sharp hot enough too Nick. like he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's <laughs> oh, okay he's not like he's not like sexy he has to be sexy yeah. dumb and yeah. good-hearted no, yeah he looks like an x-men legends character he does yeah yeah, yeah. and he's yeah and he yeah yeah he's like cartoonishly muscle bound and but not in like a hot way so like it, i don't think it i just don't think it translates yeah to himbo mm-hmm. territory it's like Zengi. um negasonic teenage warhead however so 
fun story with this. And it yes. comes back to our boy, Kevin Feige. He's back in the game again. So Negasonic Teenage Warhead, they basically were like, okay, we want a girl student to accompany Colossus on this Deadpool adventure. Who are we going to use? And so they just go through the list of mutants and they find the name Negasonic Teenage Warhead. And they're like, that's the coolest fucking name I've ever heard in my goddamn <laughs> life. What is her power? And they're like, yeah, she has like mental powers. It's like trippy and crazy. And Grant Morrison created her. And they're like, do we have to do like why she's that called tracks. a warhead? Why doesn't she blow up like a warhead? Like, isn't that what it should be? It's like, yeah, but you'd have to you have to use the powers the way they are, because if we mess with that, we would lose the rights to the mutants back to Marvel Studios. It's stipulated in our contract. Ah. We have to do it exactly the way that it is in the comics or it fucks everything up. The Quicksilver Clause. Yeah. Yes. And so, so Tim Miller was like, no, fuck that. I'm going to call up Kevin. So, because he's worked <laughs> with Kevin in the past because Kevin had been a producer on the X-Men movies. So he calls up Kevin. He's like, Kevin, we want to use this character Negasonic Teenage Warhead. And he's like, <laughs> no one's stopping you. It's a mutant. You can do whatever you want with them. I know that you own them. And, then, and he's like, no, we want to change her powers. Her powers in the comics are this. We want to change it to like more of like a typical warhead. He's like, you can't do that. That's in the contract. He's like, I know. Is there anything that we can give you that you guys don't have that you want that we can do a trade? We can change Negasonic Teenage Warhead's powers with no ramifications, and you can have one thing from the Fox Marvel vault. And he was like, well, we're making a sequel to a movie called Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> And we do not have the rights because his first appearance was in Fantastic Four. We do not have the rights to Ego the Living Planet. Can we have Ego the Living Planet in return for you changing the power set of Negasonic Teenage Warhead? <laughs> and they agreed. And that's how we got Negasonic Teenage Warhead in this movie. And Ego the Living Planet in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing like Bridge of Spies, but like Ego the Living Planet is like in the back of a truck on a bridge. Like, <laughs> like... I just, it's just wild to me how many people's lives are affected in these ridiculous ways because Marvel made so many bad decisions. Yeah. <laughs> and it's early, like to the point where Stanley just had to parcel off these characters for money. Yeah. <laughs> like 30 years later is this phone call. <laughs> and yeah it, re it really feeds into like that nobody knows what they're doing 100 uh, percent. no one knows what they're doing ever at any point <laughs> in time we come back to the guys who saw the deadpool's test footage and said no we're not gonna make that movie <laughs> yeah and then a, a person who got fired with like a middle finger was just like nope and then you know <laughs> here we are Look what these idiots passed on. Leaked like, it two years after the fact. That's how long he was just like harboring this resentment this for anger? two years. How is yeah, it? Like, like, what a move, right? Yeah. That was the moment where he became disillusioned with the whole industry. Yeah. Of like, what? Yeah. How could how, they do how, that? Who wouldn't want this? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Brianna Hiddlebrand, I mean, this was like the first time I saw her in a movie, and immediately yeah. she became an actor that I was like, oh, she's in this. I want to check that out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, she's she's really great in this. She is also very much a Nick actress. Like uh, the kind of the kind sure. of like those kind of actors that you just like you're like 
She's yeah. cool. I like young, <laughs> young, young, char- young character actors. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Young, young character actors, aka the kinds of people that you would want to hang out with in high school. <laughs> All right. and, and didn't. <laughs> yeah. And didn't get to. <laughs> and I think like a lot of my favorite comic book movie performances, like, you know, Mantis from Guardians, mm-hmm. it's a new kind of unknown actor with this B C level character that mm-hmm. no one's been clamoring for. And so they really get to like create a new character on, on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Like Colossus looks cool. Sure. Sounds cool. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm really impressed by the CGI. Like it's better than any other version of Colossus we've gotten. Yeah. Cause like he's normally yeah. straight up boring in the movies. And yeah. so for him to actually yes. have like a personality. Because yeah. they don't know what to, I feel like they, well, he's always shoved in these movies where all the personalities are so much bigger than his. And mm-hmm. this time he, haha, he, he got his chance to shine. Nice. Hey, got it. Great. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> Gold star, Preeti. <laughs> so that's why I'm the author. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> pay, pay, pay the big bucks. <laughs> I, so a good chunk of act two, if not all of act two, we're back in flashback land mm-hmm. where we see like, the experiments we meet ajax we meet yeah. angel mm. and this is kind of the the chunk <laughs> of the movie yeah uh the other the other, the other like, dated, dated part of this I, movie. <laughs> i'm just all i'll say about about gina carano in this is i'm just glad that she only has like four lines of dialogue yeah it's a lesson that mandalorian could have learned and they didn't but you know, it's a it's a movie that plays on her formidable screen presence as like a athlete and a fighter. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. So they they do good work with her in this. I think. Wish it was someone else, but that's okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I'll be honest. This is kind of the part of the movie where I kind of check out. It it's mm. like okay, they do a lot of crap to him. They burn his face. He has yeah. like the one friend Cunningham, the to show that he has a heart. You know? yeah. yeah. Can you guys um, explain? Because anyone explain to me how okay. that tank that he was in did that to his skin? What happened? It's here, here, comic book. Okay. All right. <laughs> I feel like so this get- part is the most comic booky, like in terms of like, like, like I call it when I'm writing, I'm like, it's comic book woo woo. Like, don't pay attention to the details. Like, this is just. We need this to exist so that this other thing can happen, but it's a comic book, so just accept it. It's like the chunk of the whenever he's like strapped to the table and whatnot. It's like that Deadpool movie we were talking about earlier, the where they don't go all in, and he's just yeah. like a wise a wise ass in a regular action movie. Yeah, yeah. It, they just needed it, right? This this scene was this felt very much like there to fill a purpose. Yeah, and and that was it. It didn't have. Like it was like we we have to have this in here, so we're gonna do it, but we're not gonna spend a lot of time on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're not the but naked Deadpool for that fight scene shockingly only took six hours to apply that makeup, which I was oh I thought I thought for sure it would have been like I don't know twice that's as long crazy. or something crazy. Yeah, that's um, I was really surprised. Yeah, based on the horror stories we heard about. Rebecca Romaine and Mystique, yeah. I was just shocked to see that it only took six hours. Rebecca Romaine deserves some kind of technical Academy Award. Yeah. For being yeah, like I the agree. canary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was a real canary in a coal mine in that world of like, because in every movie preview that we learn, it's like, oh, yeah. So she kind of drove, we kind of drove her crazy. So every 
movie, we made the process like a little less arduous for like Jennifer Lawrence and Nicholas Holt. And I'm like, yeah, freaking good job, guys. Glad. <laughs> Glad you did that for them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she couldn't breathe. Oh, we should probably fix that for the next actor. Oh, oh she told goodness. she told us on set she couldn't breathe. Oh, okay. Well, we couldn't hear her. So. <laughs> oh, anyway, oh, boy. Brian's here. <laughs> Can't wait to talk about him again. <sighs> so we're all caught up. We we go back to Wade's base where we meet Blind Al. Love Blind Al. Is, is is a big part of the comics? Is she? Yes. Yeah. Okay. She's really good in this. I I love I love this whole sequence of one the hand starting to grow back and the like baby all that. hand is one of the funniest yeah. things in the entire movie. <laughs> like that was yeah. That was like a moment I remember in the theater when it like the reveal yeah. happens and everyone was yeah. just like combo disgusted but also like crying laughing yeah mm. and and the fact that he keeps using it like yeah. caressing her face with it and stuff <laughs> so gross yeah <laughs> and i really like we get to see wade's chemistry with al that yeah. he kind of gets to be domesticated with her now mm-hmm. and be just like a normal person yeah uh, but it's actress- all about the relationships right like that's what works so yeah. well is that it's right. wade is consistently shown against people who allow him to be human even though he's a superhuman right and do we know do, scott do you know if the actress that plays blind al is is blind in real life i don't believe she is okay well not for nothing because you know like brian reynolds isn't actually you know doesn't have facial scars but low-key it is cool that like we have oh two... she is she is blind oh. i just looked it up yes that's awesome like so. you know yeah, it it doesn't happen enough where we just have like Agreed. a blind character in like a major movie where they're just like a character, and yeah. they're not like tor- tortured by what's happened to them, and they're just like living their life. Oh, uh, maybe I misread that. Maybe she's uh, not. Okay, I don't know. It's hard to. Tell. But also, but also Deadpool. <laughs> like I can't think of another character in a big movie that's like has facial scars and isn't a villain. True. No, it's true. Yeah, they don't. He does represent something nice in that way. Mm-hmm. In that he isn't, he's not a monster. Like, they don't, yeah. he is still loved. He does make a lot of blind jokes, however. Mm-hmm. A lot of blind jokes. We get that, that line-o-rama, which I'm, I'm glad we've kind of phased out of in comedy, but like the line-o-rama joke about like just him like, oh, you look like a, a prune had sex with Freddy Krueger or whatever. Oh, yeah, right. The, <sighs> yeah, the T.J. Miller thing. I do like this sequence of him becoming Deadpool and like learning like, oh, I can't wear white. I need to wear red because otherwise it'll stain. I I love the joke of just like the cut to the laundromat and he has the little Tide pen and he's just like going to town on this (laughs) blood soaked (laughs) costume. It's a really good cut. Whoever edited this applause. That was a really good cut. Very, very funny. It's Yeah. yeah, that the whole like it's like the makeover girl montage, right? I loved mm-hmm. it. It's so fun. And we get to sneak in low-key. One of my favorite parts of a superhero origin story are like the rough draft costumes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's That's really why cool. I, don't, I, don't, I don't hate it whenever they reboot Spider-Man every few years. Because I'm like, oh, cool. We get to see like a hoodie goggle suit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wade goes looking for Vanessa at the strip club that she works at. We get maybe the greatest Stanley cameo of all time. That's I, I did he know? Did he know what he was there? What he was doing? It's, I don't know. It's, it's real like 
we're letting grandpa swear kind yeah. of like energy <laughs> it's also like they did not have to let stanley be do a cameo in this movie he does ha- he has no he he probably doesn't even know who deadpool is like that's <laughs> like it happens so far past yeah. his time that he did not have to put him in this movie but it's a it's a fun cameo all the same. It's it a, is. It's a surprising. It's it's a genuinely surprising cameo, which we are not. We at, in 2016, I feel like we we're like Stanley. Yeah, no duh, he shows up in Marvel movies. No duh, he shows up in like any Marvel related character. But yeah. still, this mm-hmm. time you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's like just the right kind of tongue in cheek of like yeah, it's a rated R movie, so he gets to have a kind of a more rated R cameo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can't buy love, but you can rent it for three minutes. What does he say? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Gross. <laughs> we get uh, Ryan Reynolds makes a taken joke earlier in the movie, and then uh, Vanessa herself gets taken by mm-hmm. the by the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, to is that a helicarrier? I don't know. Is that supposed to be a helicarrier? I am unsure. That Ajax it seems is like, like it. Okay. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of the movie starts to show its budget and to me a, a kind of charming way because, yeah, they just go to a junkyard and there's like a big CG thing that they just put it there and post. <laughs> um, I really like the gun joke to kind of keep everything grounded and small. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it never forgets. Land. The movie never forgets what it is, right? Like that's. Mm-hmm what consistently works isn't it never forgets what it is and it never tries to be something it isn't that's true like yeah they don't have to turn off a big beacon in the sky or like mm-hmm. s- stop the continent from breaking apart it's just like oh yeah. i have to save my girlfriend yeah. yeah they took my girlfriend i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> mess some people up mm-hmm. and even then they put the emotion on like wade never gets to explain things to vanessa yes right? so it's so good it's such it uh it makes me even angrier about Deadpool 2. Like I just don't understand what happened between Deadpool and Deadpool 2. I don't makes me so mad. Well yeah, you'll have to listen to our episode because Scott will <laughs> learn everything about it. I'm just gonna make that sound um, the entire I, time. <laughs> so we get we get superhero landing, which kind of took off, I think. And mm. it, it's impossible now to ever look at that again in any future superhero movie. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but so we get Negasonic Teenage Warheads power reveal mm-hmm. and her uniform reveal. And it's one of my favorite X-Men costumes to date. Yeah, I'm surprised that they haven't ever tried to reuse it in something yeah. else. It's really good. Because it's better. It's better than the other X-Men costumes. Yeah, it's yeah. better than the ones that they wear in Dark Phoenix, I think. I did not see it. Neither has Scott. Neither have I. But I saw. I saw the trailers. But I saw the right. trailers. But yeah, like because they're kind of going for the same look that like kind of yellow and black. Yeah. Jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. But right. yeah, it it looks bad. I think she's wearing a pretty similar costume in Deadpool too. I don't think they changed the book too much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. And yeah, like the my favorite parts of this finale because it's just you know your p- pretty pedestrian action movie finale. But it's the little character moments. Like he runs into an old uh, military coworker, Bob. Right. <laughs> Which who's from the comics, but he's Bob. Yeah. He's Bob the Bob the Shield agent, right? Or that's not, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I 
That sounds is right. Shield or is he something else? Or aim? is he? Ha- it's, I, he's aim. He's aim. He's aim. Okay, he's yeah. AIM. He's a he's an aim agent, which they don't have the rights to, but they so they just like named one of these hench guys Bob, Bob to make a reference to the character. God, I forgot about I forgot about Bob in the comics. Yeah. And like, I love the moment where Negasonic launches him into the air and he's like just screaming in terror. Yeah. Poor Bob. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. When he launches uh, De- Deadpool, it's really cool because he's like, I don't like I you, you call this pedestrian. I think there are moments in it that are pedestrian, but I think it's also filled with enough. Like very character specific moments like. You know, the, the, you know, putting Vanessa in the tube, the oxygen tube, and then the tube, like him having to like waste one of his swords, slicing open the tube so that she can breathe, you know, little, little beats like that, that I think are specific enough that I really enjoy the sequence. But I think, I think the generic part of it is just like what it looks like just generally. Mm. It's just like, we're in a gray space where these characters are fighting. I think that's the part that feels generic despite the fact that like the moments within it aren't are very character specific and movie specific. But that's Deadpool. That's what Deadpool feels like, right? Deadpool is that, is that mm. everything works because it's so character specific, but the backdrop, like we were saying, like the plot, the setting, like all of it is pretty milk toast in, in terms of yeah. like all of that stuff, because all that matters is Deadpool and his characterization within those moments. Right. Right. I like mean, the other characters Deadpool. too, but like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like you pick up a Deadpool comic to be like, oh, it's going to play with expectations and be yes. like a normal comic book adventure. But what if it was Deadpool instead of right. like Winter Soldier or Captain Exactly. Marvel? Well, but there's that kind of Deadpool. And then there's also the flip side. Like, you know, a lot of times in the comics, you know, comics being PG 13 most of the time. You know, it, it, I always find it interesting, the argument that Deadpool can only be an R-rated thing because in the comics, it's PG-13. And the way that they change that up is by having things like Deadpool marries of uh, the queen of the vampires or hmm. fights zombie presidents or jumps into a giant dinosaur. Right. And like, that's how they heighten things. And like. You would have to like get somebody involved that would be able to pull all of those things off right in the right balance because you'd have to rebalance everything. But I think it is possible to make a PG thirteen Deadpool. Oh, I mean, just, like, you'd have to you'd have to change a lot. I mean, Preeti brought up Spidey Pool at the beginning of the podcast, and like I would totally watch like a Tom Holland Ryan Reynolds PG thirteen. I think we're gonna. We, I will be surprised if we never get Spider Man and Deadpool on screen together. Like. Mm-hmm. Now that Disney owns everything, um, except <laughs> Spider-Man, ironically enough. <laughs> he's, he's slippery. He's, he's back and forth. But I, I agree with you to an extent. I think also the comics benefit from like you can do a lot more gore in <laughs> comics and get away with it at a PG-13 level that you can't. That's true. In, in movies when it's, you know, live action. I mean, they di- I didn't watch the PG-13 cut of Deadpool. I didn't I either. Haven't- I haven't seen it, so I don't know how they did it, but I would wait, be wait, interested wait, wait. in it. Do we have to cover that? On this? Oh, yeah. Oh, do you guys have to Deadpool? cover yeah. yeah. Do you have to cover it? Uh, yeah. Let's do like a bonus feature. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, but it's not Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, it's a Christmas. I'm, I'm nixing it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> 
everyone just got so excited and just immediately. <laughs> it would have been a short episode anyway. We only would have talked about the edits and yeah. the Fred Savage scenes. So, I, Yeah, I am interested, though, because part of what makes this movie work and it is that it has to go up against what the other comic book movies are doing. And right. those other That's comic true. book movies, while they're not wacky, you do have that humor. You do have that irreverence from someone like Tony Stark or whatever it is. Like what Marvel was doing mm-hmm. was a lot of that already. Like there was there's a lot of humor in that first Avengers movie, right? There's a lot of like fun and, and silliness so that Deadpool has to take it even further than what they were already doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like they were already sort of poking fun at themselves in exactly. a way. So what can Deadpool do? That's like a step for, they have the advantage of the X-Men movies uniquely have mostly yes. taken themselves pretty seriously. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think we got the Deadpool movie we were supposed to get. I'm just saying in the future, there's always the option of oh, shaking yeah. things up again. Yeah. Well, cause like they're always, they're like, they always seem to be hyping on social media. Like, like, you know, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. Oh, they're hanging out. Why are they hanging out? But like, I think Spider-Man, Deadpool. They gotta do it. It's such a good, it's such a, although it would have, I don't know if it would work as well with Tom Holland, Spidey, and Deadpool because what works with Spider-Man and Deadpool is that they are so evenly matched and like in every aspect, like not just like in terms of age, but like the physicality of it and like they're they're at similar points in their lives like much similar to vanessa (laughs) like Mm -hmm. having someone who can go toe to toe with deadpool i think really matters Uh because i mean i i love the ultimate spider-man cartoon i think is where there's that great deadpool episode i want to say the right like reality show deadpool yes yeah 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 very like sort of in that vein which is really, really fun, but he ends up having to be the villain by nature of right being with, against a Peter Parker who's like sixteen, right, right. Like it, it would, it would be that because like MCU Spider Man is still a child, so young, it would, yeah. It would be like a little boy hanging out with like irresponsible drunk adult, yeah. And <laughs> as much as I would prefer, so Tony Stark, yeah, they I, did like, that I, before. Would, I would prefer Deadpool to Tony Stark. If you're, if we have to have a messed up mentor in a Spider Man movie, yeah. I'll take Deadpool yeah. over Iron Man any day of the week. <laughs> I'm excited to see where Doctor Strange ranks in terms of Spider-Man's dads. I'm not. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of like other MCU <laughs> characters I would want to see Deadpool with, and I, I'm Doctor Strange was one of the first ones that came up. But like, just because there's something about like, straight man, he's such a straight man. But I, I, that would be probably too close to Cable at that point, mm. right? But but Thor, Thor would be so- excellent. The Thor, like Chris Hemsworth, Thor, and Deadpool, like Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool. I feel like that would be a really nice. I think it'd be really fun. I that would be thoroughly enjoyable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Thor's so earnest. He's such like an earnest character. Right. Yeah. Right. But earnest in a different way than Colossus is in this yes. movie. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, that like would that. be so well, fun! I would <laughs> love to see that. Dang. I feel like that's the ticket. And it feels like he's just going to do it until like he can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, yeah. Maybe even a little beyond that, honestly. I know. Yeah. And we'll, we'll be there for him for that, too. We'll, we'll do that together, too. Yeah. 
we get we get Colossus's big like four or five moment speech that Deadpool completely undercuts, but it feels like earned. Like, yeah, he hasn't learned that lesson. Mm -hmm. That wasn't what this was about for him. He just wanted Vanessa (laughs) back. Also, that guy was a dick and he deserved it. (laughs) Yes. The thing that I love so much about about Francis is that, like, I can't even be mad at Ed Screen for being like generic because, like, if he was any if he was any more interesting, it would have taken away from Deadpool. Yeah, I love how just so boring and generic he is as a villain. They needed that. They needed. I we. It's what the movie is. Because the yeah. movie is not about anything else. Did uh, have both of you seen Luca? Yes. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of the bad guy in Luca, where yes. they know they don't <laughs> go under the the hood with no. him. They don't find out why he, he's just a dick. He just yeah. sucks. He just yeah. sucks. <laughs> no, I love it. I I love it because like they just they're like, no, we want you to hate this guy on a level. That is beyond just the character in the movie. We want you to just like, I want to stop seeing him on screen so that when you get to the four or five moments speech, you're just like, (laughs) Deadpool, just kill him. Please just shoot him in the face. Please. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, right? It's like (laughs) Deadpool is already straddling that line between hero Mm -hmm. and villain. Like he's a good guy. We know we like him, but he does really messed up stuff. And he yeah. he says really shitty things. And mm-hmm. so you already have the the humanized bad guy. Like you're already on mm, your yeah. he's a mercenary. Like you're with him right. already. So we don't need another villain that has any sort of depth or nuance. He, <laughs> right. he can just suck. Yeah. It's and great. like a, and Deadpool, the audience is like going back to the, you know, he's they're with Deadpool. They don't want they're not like, oh, what's he gonna do? His conscience. What's yeah. the way yeah. we would like with Captain America or Batman or something. Right. Yeah. And we'll see cool. we'll see what that goes into in Deadpool 2 because they kind of try giving him more <sighs> stuff to deal with, I guess. Yeah. Both, both plot stuff and character stuff. Yeah. But mostly plot stuff. I think have I seen Deadpool 2 more than once? I don't know that I have. I I've only I've seen only it once. Seen it one time. Yeah. I saw it in the theater and I was so furious. No, I never Ricky Baker. Again. Ricky Baker's huh. in it. That's good. Yeah, that's true. Ricky Baker's good. There are good people in it. That's the most. It's. <laughs> mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's another story for three years from now. But uh, <laughs> this, this like punched a hole in the box office. Yeah. It has like an 85 on Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah. it was like a hit with audiences and critics. And it ages better than I thought it was going to when i like yeah. pressed play a few hours ago the post credit scene on this the ferris bueller remake that is a mm, in so joke that is an in joke with the fox studio it was like they just made it as a joke one day like in between setups and they it ended up being the post credit scene but the joke was because one of the the way one of the studio execs sold the movie finally to it was either a producer or a studio exec whatever but they sold it by saying that Deadpool is Ferris Bueller meets Natural Born Killers. That's hilarious. Oh, and I was like, nice. "That's Deadpool." Yeah, that does it. Accurate. That's that's it. Correct. Yeah, very accurate. So <laughs> well done. Yeah, Preeti, thanks so much for being on the show with us. Talking yeah, about of course. This is it's always a good time. <laughs> <laughs>
That's uh, that's Deadpool. Uh, Preeti, what, what what do you want to plug? What, what you you got any books com- that are out or coming out? I do. When is this going up? This is going up August thirteenth. Perfect. So <laughs> this week, that means I have a Zatanna comic coming out from DC. It's a single issue. It's Truth and Justice number seven. It's a one shot. It comes out August seventeenth, and then I have. The third Marvel's Avengers Assembly book coming out in January, which is Exchange Students 101. That's the capital X change students because uh-huh. Spider-Man, Ms. Marvel, and Squirrel Girl are going to Xavier's for a little bit of a sleepaway camp. And that's going to be perfect. a really good time. <laughs> perfect. And then uh, I have one other big thing that I'm not allowed to talk about and I really want to tell people and it's very frustrating <laughs> that I can't. But soon, soon there will be one more big thing. <laughs> Solo book. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a YA novel about Negasonic Teenage Warhead. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but hopefully that'll be coming out in September and you can follow me on Twitter to learn more about that at Run With Skizzers. That's S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S. Here we go. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, check out our Patreon, duallygenre.com slash support. If we get over 100 patrons, we're going to do more bonus feature episodes, at least one per mini series. So you're going to want to... Maybe, maybe even Once Upon a Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> so so uh, uh, you're going to want to do that by get, get pushing us over 100 patrons. We're at like 84 or something like that now, so... I mean, we're almost there, guys. So just become a Patreon supporter. So close. You get you get three bonus podcasts a week. A week. So many podcasts for your money. Anyway, become a Patreon supporter. JulianGenre.com slash support. Join the Discord to talk with us and uh, other listeners. Find the link for that in the show notes. Follow us on Twitter at Franchiseography to find out what we're doing next. And, uh, of course, share your X-Men franchise memories with us. By sending us an email, franchiseography at duelinggenre.com, and we will uh, mention them and, and bring them up on our next Between Episode at the end of this miniseries. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Maximum effort. Yeah.